Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Hi, everyone. Glad you're here today. Um, So Reverend Lynn started us off last month with a a marvelous book called Your Invisible Power. And she, uh, um, I think she did a great introduction to it. She talked about how God, the universe, if you will, is really on our side, our invisible partner in a way. And uh, she assigned you some homework, which we'll go over in a minute. I like to say things like that just to see if people are really listening. Uh, and I'm going to actually add to it, but, but we'll get there uh, eventually. Uh, where I want to take off today uh, is with the idea of our idea of God maybe being a little different. And I'm going to start with a, a short reading from uh, uh, chapter two of, uh, of the book we're using this month. So Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, and this is a book from, uh, from his er- early career. He considered it one of his best books in terms of something that portrayed his philosophy the clearest. So he says, the life within you is God. And whatever is true of God is also true of your life, since your life and the life of God are not two, but only a single unity. The enlightened have ever proclaimed this unity of good, this oneness of humanity and God. And for this reason, many have spoken of this life within you as both personal and impersonal. Impersonal from the perspective that it is universal, that it is available and describes everyone and everything. But also personal from the standpoint that this universal life principle is personified in you individually. Where do we want to start with this? One of the places that he talks about is maybe it's time to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting our current idea of God. And he sets up maybe a way of teasing out how we view God by portraying God as both external and internal. And so I want to spend a a couple minutes that way because I I think very often, especially in some of the religions in the world, or, or maybe even our own experience of God as a child, we mostly thought of God as an external force. And and now it's time for a little bit of audience participation. If God is outside of you, if God is like out there somewhere, what does that idea of a God bring up for you? What would some of the characteristics of that kind of God be? Uh, Santa Claus. Oh, Santa Claus. Well, you know, you're right. He wants to know if you've been naughty or nice, right? So, so the idea of judgment, Nancy brings up, the idea that that creator of all things might be sitting up there looking down at us, wondering if we're doing the right thing. Did you have something, sir? I call mine because he told me, call me Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Okay. All right. And you know, that is really useful because in most of the world's religions, isn't it portrayed as a male figure too? So not only do we have someone who might be up there judging us, but it's Big Daddy. It's that idea of that kind of male kind of uh, domineering uh, presence up there. What else do we know about? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
uh, is outside of us? Oh, no, no, we're getting there in a minute. I'm, I'm talking about ideas uh, or, or ideas of God where it's outside of us, clearly removed from us. Yeah, did you have one? Yeah, the idea that how do we communicate with this thing that's, you know, where is it? It's, it's gone. And in fact, some of the world religions will tend to portray God as the initial creator, almost as though it were a watchmaker. Like there was the Big Bang that set everything in motion, like, like the creation of it. And then God just kind of backpedaled a little bit, kind of sitting up on the cloud, kind of kind of seeing how things are going, right? A little judging here and there. What else about God? Anything else? One thing that uh, they mentioned in the first service was simply God's capricious power. And I think by, by capricious they meant that idea that you never quite know what's going to happen. You might have a nice flood to come down and wash you away. You might have a, an earthquake to teach you a good lesson. And the question, of course, is, well, what's the lesson? How do I know what's in God's mind? And so that's the other thing. The idea of God as an external force tends to be that we have to get to know that external thing through things like scriptures, right? Trouble with that, of course, is humans wrote the scriptures, so it's all about interpretation. It's all about figuring out whether I believe or not believe a certain passage that has to do. Well, when they're written by people, of course, we're going to have disagreements about that external idea of God. Now I want to get to you, because you are spot on. What are some of the ideas about an internal version of God, a God that really encompasses everything? You mentioned the idea of Mother Nature. Absolutely, that divine feminine power that is in terms of everything, and especially in the creative power of the universe. Of course, it seems feminine to me. Of course it does. It's the very nature of creativity is the divine feminine. What else, though, about an indwelling or an internal version of God? Accessible. Accessible? Well, yeah, if it's right here as well as everywhere else, I don't have to go anywhere or do anything, right? And in fact, in Science of Mind, one of the reasons that we say that our prayers are so effective is because they're not going anywhere. The only consciousness we need to affect by a prayer is really our own. And we'll talk about that a a little bit in a few minutes. Another thing about understanding God to be an indwelling presence or, or, or something that encompasses everything is that it scales up. And by that, I mean that if there is one true consciousness of the entire universe, ours isn't separate from it, but ours is part of it. Now, for a second, suspend disbelief, if you will, but the theory is that everything in the universe has a kind of consciousness about it. So whether it's a rock or a mountain or water or the skies, they'll have their own version of a kind of a consciousness. Now you might say, well, Larry, how does a rock have consciousness? How does this chair have consciousness? It doesn't move. It doesn't breathe. You know, there isn't like a brain in there somewhere. Although with smartphones, I'm not so sure anymore about (laughs) inanimate objects. But certainly that chair isn't alive. So what do you mean it has a consciousness to it? 
Well, the idea is that each thing in its own way is conscious. So the consciousness of rocks, for instance, would be the movement of tectonic plates and the viscosity under certain levels of pressure. It would be the, uh, uh, the way that rocks interact with each other to create earthquakes. It would be the consciousness that moves with the interior of the planet. Likewise, water has a consciousness of more fluidity and, and so on and so forth. Humans, of course, have our own consciousness and, and ours we think of as human. And of course, it has its own state of being. You know, we have thoughts, we have a brain and that kind of thing. Nonetheless, we have predictable workings just like rocks have predictable workings just like everything does. And so the thesis of Ernest Holmes is if there's this universal consciousness, our consciousness is a part of it, not separate from it. And so then you might ask, well, how does God get God's work done in the world? All right, so let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to the, what scientists call the Big Bang. And God created the universe out of itself. And you can, you can even eliminate the word God if it bugs you. Just say the universe created itself in the Big Bang out of itself. And we would say, and it never stopped. God's creation, the universe, continues to evolve. It didn't just walk away, right? Uh, clouds continue to form. Mountains are pushed up. New planets are created in the central core of the universe, right? Creation continues. And what's doing that creation? It's not some guy sitting on a cloud somewhere. It's the universe itself in its consciousness evolving. Now here's the mind blower. You are too. Your consciousness is part of that same eternal effervescence of life itself. You're part of the Big Bang. You have that same creative power in you that the big picture power has. The love that God has, the, the joy that God has, the creative abilities and powers that God has, you have too. Never stops. And the power is one of your mind. All right, it's time to segue into a, into a joke here, I think. So St. Peter has always had trouble with the flood of people coming up to the pearly gates. Just too many people to process for one person. Finally, he decides to give the angel Gabriel uh, some help. You know, would angel Gabriel help him? So the first four new souls, souls that show up that day worked like this. St. Peter asked the first man, religion, and the young man says, Jewish. So St. Peter says, go down to room 23, it's on the left, but if you would, be very quiet when you walk past room number 8. All right, next person comes, religion, Muslim. All right, please go to room number 10, very popular, but if you would, be quiet when you go past room 8. If you would, it's important. Third person comes up, what's your religion? Oh, I'm agnostic. Oh, that's fine. A little unusual, but down to room 71, and they'll take care of you down there. And if you, if you would, please be very quiet when you walk past room 8. Well, of course, the angel Gabriel is all over this. What's with room 8? 
what's going on in room eight that we have to be so quiet? Well, St. Peter replies, oh, the Catholics are in room eight, and they like to think they're the only ones here. (laughs) All right, so it's an old joke. It's an old joke, and it was kind of made at the expense of the Catholics, right? But, But I ask you, could you not have substituted any religion in room eight? See, there's the trouble. There is the trouble. When we think that God only somehow pertains to one group of people, we are diminishing God. I mean, one of the reasons we have the symbols of the major world religions on the wall here is that we believe that all of those are perfectly good and wonderful and celebrated paths to God. And why is that? Because the path to God is right here. You don't have to go to temple. You don't have to go to the synagogue. You don't have to come here on Sunday, although I enjoy it when you do. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. The path to God is in your own heart and your own mind. Doesn't, it's not a respecter. Remember when Ernest Holmes in that initial quote said God is also impersonal? That's what he meant. God isn't just a God to the Catholics or the Jews or the the Baptists. All right, now I want to finish up today truly with talking about your power. Because I think a lot of us are used to still thinking that the power that comes from God is an external power. That that's what creates earthquakes or that's what creates hurricanes. Or, you know, I will hear people talk. Well, in fact, on my insurance form five years ago, when my beach house had had some storm damage to it, they said it wasn't covered because it was an act of God, right? And I thought, well, what the hell kind of God do you have going here, right? (laughs) And so I would like to portray to you, if I can, that the power of God is in a personal and an internal one as well. Of course, there's the power of nature. Don't get me wrong. That's Mother Nature at her most powerful and great doing that kind of thing. But there is also an indwelling power in you that is just as magnificent, just as beautiful, just as tangible, and it is the power of your consciousness. If God, that bigger level of consciousness, created the universe through its will and its power in the Big Bang, I'm here to say you have the capability of a Big Bang right in your personal life. And do you know why that is? It's because you are creating your life one day at a time in the same way that God is continuing to create the universe one day at a time. You have that same power through your thoughts. Now, some of you may say, well, how do I get on board with this? How do I sign up? And the answer is, well, you already did. You've already created your lives right up until this point. And whether it's feast or famine, whether it's the way you like it or not, whether you're enjoying life or, 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 or sunk in the middle of, of a tragedy, it's your creation. That's the bad news and the good news, plain and simple. And the extra good news is you can change it today.
If you want to have more love and more joy, if you want to improve your relationships, if you want to get a better job or, or, or have more material wealth in your life, if, if you want to experience something different, you just think it. And I'll use a, a, a little bit of an extended example. Uh, so, so my partner and I were looking uh, towards different ways of exercise this summer. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun to take up kayaking? Now, I'm sort of a non-swimmer. He's a pretty good swimmer. Uh, but a, a friend of ours actually uh, has a, access to a dock and kayaks. And so she invited us over. And so we're out for our first ever kayaking adventure. And I got to tell you, it was fun. We're in the middle of the Columbia, and I got to tell you, it is a swift current. I mean, we were, we were going upstream, and we were getting that exercise in really good, and that's when Daniel fell in. And uh, that kind of wasn't what I was hoping for for our first experience of kayaking. And so we're out in the middle of the current, and he, like the kayak has drifted off. And he had this unusual life preserver that I think must have been intended for a child, because when he hit the water, it inflated, and suddenly it was like a donut tight around his neck. And so... He is like, he is like trying to stay up, and of course, there's enough buoyancy in this weird donut that it's holding literally his neck tight, but above the water. And so, you know, normally when you're swimming, you're like this, right? And so he's trying his best to get over out of the main current to the dock, but he's like this. <laughs> And sadly, I can see that he's actually having trouble breathing as well. Well, now the good news is, uh, I mean, we're just sitting in our kayaks, right? We extend an oar over to him. He grabs it, and we paddle out of the current, and we paddle back to the dock. And it happened to be in a string of where houseboats were. And as it happened, there were 12, like, 20-year-old men there having some kind of a barbecue. And two of them pulled him out. And one of them said, let me get the jet ski, and I'll take him back to your dock for you. And so, so while my friend Kathy and I are paddling our way back, he gets a fun ride up and down the Columbia on a jet ski. And by the time we get back there, he's had a shower and has made drinks for us. <laughs> now, you may ask, like, how this pertains to any of this. So the next day, he's uh, talking to one of his friends over the phone. And, and you know how sort of couples are. You know, you'll be talking on the phone and not really paying any attention to whether it's public or private or whatever, because, well, you've lived together for years and years. And so I'm just sitting there kind of vaguely listening, and he's telling the story. And, and then there's this really long pause while the person on the other end is speaking, and I can actually hear her. She's, like, yelling at him and stuff over the phone, and I'm going, what on earth? And so finally he hung up, and I said, what was all that about? And she said, how dare he risk his life that way? How dare he take advantage of, of the universe by risking such a precious thing that he had actually gone through a near-death experience? And Daniel's telling me this, of course, and he's smiling. And I think that person believes in a different God 
than I do. Because my universe is a universe where people help one another. My universe is, even if there's a non-swimmer, we don't just say, I'm really sorry you didn't learn swimming lessons, <laughs> right? My universe is full of people that help. My universe is, is full of young men and jet skis. My, my, my universe has, has, uh, has drinks waiting for us when we get back to the dock, right? That is the way I look at God, that God is in that river, that God is in the beautiful day on the Columbia River enjoying ourselves and laughing even if someone tumbles in and has trouble, Right? So what I know, what I would like to know for each person here in this room is that your picture of God is that kind of God. That your view of how the universe works is loving and life-affirming. Not a universe full of danger and, cap and a capricious God that could just see you drowned as well as anything else, but rather a loving universe full of people and conditions that are here to support you. <laughs> wow, I'm back to my God voice again. I think I need to get this fixed. What do you think? All right, well, I'm going to close with a, a short reading and a prayer today. This is how Ernest Holmes ends this particular chapter uh, of this fun little book. He says, to think is to create. A thinker is a creator. He lives in the world of his own creation. You have created your experience of the world. This is really the key which opens the doorway to wisdom and power. The doorway is already open for you. It has been since birth. Somewhere within you, the mind of God will reveal this truth that you were born to be free, that the will of God for you is one of goodness, of truth, of enjoyment, of beauty, that all the power there is is for you, and all the will there is wills life for you. You are the image and the likeness of this life itself. You are a personification of its power. You are the personalization of God. The kingdom of heaven, that capability is already within you, and the law of that kingdom is harmony, peace, love, and joy. Let us pray. There is one life, one goodness, one peace. Some people call it God, but on this day, let, let us just call it the, the manifest universe. The universe is truly all there is, and it, it is a place, if we treat it with friendliness, that is friendly. And so on this day, I claim for myself that there is but this one thing, and it is my love, my joy, my zest for life, that everything about this universe is here to love and support me, truly my invisible friend. And as it is true for me, I know it can be true for each person in this room, that each person here, as you begin to accept the power of your own thinking, of your own choices, of your own attitudes towards life, life responds. If you treat it with joy and safety and goodness and helpfulness, the universe says, ah, that is the way I will treat you. With joy, with love, with helpfulness, with safety. That is what you have called forth.
And so for each person here, I know a willingness to begin seeing that linkage between your thoughts and the way life shows up, the, the willingness to begin claiming more of the good side, the, the willingness to begin seeing the world and, uh, and life as positive and hopeful, as loving and buoyant, as peaceful and joyous, for truly, then, that will be your experience. And so I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for the power and presence of, of this thing, this universe. Grateful for life itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.